Always great to get his take on things. Jason Malika, you know well, as far as the great uh, public relations work he does at American University, one of the finest institutions in this country and the nation's capital, of course, pioneered Fox News Radio way back over 20 years ago. And uh, nice enough to give us a couple of minutes on a late request. And Mr. Malika, it is great having you this holiday season. And, uh, you know, just before you could say, you know what, we can take a break, celebrate, family, friends, and everything else. We get a ruling uh, from uh, Colorado yesterday uh, regarding the disqualification from the 2024 ballot from the former president, uh, Donald Trump. And uh, that uh, that set a fire the uh, the news cycle wave, so, so to speak. But uh, in essence, uh, ineligible for office based on the 14th Amendment, a insurrection ban. Welcome. Give me a sense. And what do you think? Well, I, you know, honestly, it's surprising in a sense from the perspective comes from, you know, the justices in the court were appointed by Democratic that that necessarily again not to play politics that could mean something not mean anything but i you know a lot of ways it's something that i think many that were opposed and you know president trump running again because of that people were saying oh well there's going to keep him off the ballot so this is something that is a a lot of, it's significant but honestly it will it will still come down to, you know, if he's the nominee, does that mean that he's not going to be on the ballot? No. I mean, I, in a lot of ways, this is going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court anyway. Um, and I, as we know, I'm sure the U.S. Supreme Court will rule that Trump, you know, if obviously he is not uh, or he is in the middle of another legal, uh, he'll be on the ballot. You know, Chris Christie said something yesterday they and I'm paraphrasing that, you know, it shouldn't be up to the court to decide former President Trump is on the ballot. It should be, you know, whether the American people want him even to be back in the White House. And, you know, in many ways, that uh, always agree with everything Chris Christie says. He does make a decent point. Right. You do want the you do want the American people to say, all right, we don't want him in the White House. You know, we do. We've seen it. What happened the first time around? I think we've seen that everything that's gone on since he's been out of office and we clearly know we we clearly see that there was you know in many ways you know trying to be had pressure to to, uh keep him in office after the 2020 election results were given so you do want the american people to have a say in that um this in many ways is i don't mean to belittle the you know court but this is is in a lot of ways it's a it's window dressing right now. If the U.S. Supreme Court said, you know, President Trump can't be on the ballot, um, you know, that's another story. Again, I believe that will end up happening because unless there is, unless there is, well, of support within the courts, and this could also end up, in many ways, end up having a future mm. presidential candidates. Again, you know, there are, there are plenty of... We don't see many presidents, obviously, that have obviously uh, um, started an insurrection per se. But we've had candidates for president that have had their own legal trouble. So, what, where is the line going to be drawn? Again, mm-hmm. not to say that President Trump 
you know, should be on the ballot or shouldn't be on the ballot. It does come down to whether the courts or whether the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, should end up being the ultimate decider for this uh, this incident. No, no question. Jason Molecule with us. Of course, you look at Super Tuesday, folks, which happens in March. Colorado, part of that mix. Thus, the timing here. Listen, you can make the case it's a pile-on. It's also kind of a vindication, uh, Jason, for a lot of groups out there, liberal groups, scholars, constitutional-type scholars, uh, you know, those who led the way regarding the 14th Amendment, the lawsuit, despite, you know, obviously uh, very long odds in, in essence here. But, you know, you look at this also from the other side, where Donald Trump's numbers... As far as uh, the upcoming various, all polls pretty much, you know, they have him to lead by so much. And he has kind of a way of bouncing back, you know, polling bounces, so to speak, and converting these kind of setbacks from a legal standpoint into just that. Now, whether we see uh, a bump in the numbers in the next couple of days, we shall soon find out. But the history certainly provides it. Uh, comment a little bit on you can make it seen as a pile on uh you can certainly make the case uh that they do not want to see donald trump of obvious nature to me to me uh you know it's it's a way of sending some some bows and arrows saying hey wait a minute now uh we don't want trump in that ballot here you go here's a ruling uh, you can make the case in that regard, and also the bounce back policies of Donald J. Trump over the last couple of years. Go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen it. I mean, time and time again, from even during his you know, like his business things. I mean, from bankruptcy to that happened. It was sort of a you know, it would it would sort of you know, in many ways, like Teflon in a lot of ways. Yes, he went bankrupt, or he declared bankruptcy, closed this casino, he closed this building, sold it. All of those things are true over the years because he has, in many ways, he has he's had this aura about him. Um, I think as he has become, obviously now when he became president and there were things around him that were controversies that, you know, really by the time he was in office, it, you know, it, it, in many ways, not that it didn't matter, but he was in office and these things happened and clearly it didn't affect him as much. Sure, he didn't get reelected. But, you know, I think when it comes to this type of situation with the president, the former president, rather, we do see a, an ability for him to just continue. He uses it as part of his narrative. You know, obviously, his, his camp put out uh, a statement yesterday after this Colorado ruling. But you, can, you always see that, it's, you know, obviously, they reframe it to be, you know, it's Evan against Trump. Trump is not, you know, he is... He's always going to be the one that people uh, will, you know, focus their negativity on. However, you know, it's clear that he has his base, and there's a reason why he's the, you know, obviously the front runner. For the big reason is that there's no, again, there's not a another option, and in many ways, the party has made it that way that he, there is no other option. Um, if there was someone that was, in many ways, that could replace the, Donald Trump. I don't even think that the Republican Party would have the the, I hate the the best way to put it to have the chutzpah really to to say okay you know what Donald no you, you're you're yesterday's news we have someone new 
the Republican Party is so far down with the president and his 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 leanings and his his statements that even if someone came around that would be a viable candidate to replace him, they may not have the really like I said, they may not have really the the gumption to say, okay, we're going to take we'd like to push this this candidate, et cetera. So I, he has this bounce back ability about him. He always has. Um, you know, we've talked in the past about, you know, how he spins things. He's got a great PR team. That may not be the best thing in the world in the sense of making it seem like he does a great job, but he's always had a PR team around him that has been able to take things and take a negative and try to spin it into a way that makes the president look like the victim as opposed to everything else that's gone on around him. Jason Mollick with us. And, you know, the other thing is, Jason, you know, this 14th Amendment, it, it really doesn't actually define you know insur- when you when you look at, when you sound out the word insurrection right uh it doesn't really um spell out expand on the definition uh as far as what it means to participate what it means to kind of engage in insurrection it's a little cloudy in that regard you know yeah and i think you know obviously we're you know <laughs> There's, there's always the discussion around the Constitution in many ways about how, how the, you know, what the wording actually means. Like, what are they talking about about this particular statement or this particular phrasing of how it's worded? It's a, you know, we go back and, and you, we could talk about, you know, how, you know, in many ways when we talk about you know, the rights of their arms and, and but that's a whole other argument about what that really needs and what it should, what it should mean, et cetera. I, I, this comes down to, and yes, when we talk about insurrection, you really do, this is where the constitutional scholars really come in to, to be helpful because you're going to end up getting one or two different, differing opinions on what, what it all means. From my perspective, I think in a lot of ways in, in, in understanding this, it, it really, this, it goes back to what I had said previously as far as, it's, it's in many ways, this is the Colorado Supreme Court, they weren't unanimous also, let's, let's make that abundantly clear, that they are making a statement saying that the president should not appear on the ballot due to, you know, insurrection, an insurrection. However, the problem is, is that that, if that's going to be used as the legal legality uh, term, as the reason why people are keeping him off the ballot, there are ways. Again, I'm not necessarily I'm not a legal expert, so I'm not speaking from any you know legal background. But there are ways I'm in reading it that you could say. I'm sure if from a, if a lawyer were to look at it and say, well, look, you know, yeah, okay, this generally is the facts are the facts rather. But can it really be used as the only reason you keep someone off the ballot? You know, if you were to go up to someone today and say, you know what, this person did these bad things, and I don't want them to be able to run for something. Well, we've seen plenty of people have things in their in their past that have been illegal, they've done something wrong, and they've ended up running for office, and they've been, you know, they've been elected. Um, it may not work out in the long run, but they've been able to attain office. And that's what, and I guess in many ways, that's why when you're using one section of the Constitution to say this person should not be able to do this, yes, it does state that in the 14th Amendment, but there are ways to sort of 
I, I hate to say the best record was like to talk around it to prove that hey you know what yes he may have he may have been the the big reason why this happened but can you pin the whole thing on the former president and keep right. him off the ballot in that case all right one last thing on this I just want to, I sure. want to move on also two other things before we let you go um, so this is going to the final this is going to the Supreme Court they're going to have the final word on this we know that uh, and the question is you know how they're going to handle this so I'll ask you this is this kind of a fast decision here uh, that uh, you know they'll take up the appeal oral arguments will we, will we see that in this with the Supreme Court uh, final decision is it uh, is it going to be uh, you know kind of a short term thing I mean these are all big questions right now uh, how does this how does this play out in your estimation with the Supreme Court? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't think the Supreme Court wants this to carry over as the primaries get started. So mm-hmm. while it may not be this week, it may not be next week, um, they're going to make a decision on this rather quickly, I feel. Uh, because again, they're, they're going to be under a lot of pressure, not just from you know not just from Republicans, but from you know in many ways from Democrats as well. Now, Will the will you hear the president, you know, banging the gavel to say, you know, hey, we need to get a decision on this? No, you're not going to see that at all. Um, but you will have, you know, Democratic Democrat centered groups and Republican centered groups both saying, you know, let's get a ruling on this so we can move on. It's it, you know, it's really unprecedented. We, I don't think it, we're not we've never seen something really like this uh, in our lifetime. But I would say the court's going to be under a lot of pressure to to make a ruling relatively quickly. I, I would say shortly after the new year uh, to make sure this really doesn't, you know, in many ways, you know, really play out severely in these primaries that are coming up. It's going to hang over because it will be a story. But the Supreme Court's going to do their best to either say, "Yep, we're going to rule on this," and it's going to be, you know, it's it's not it's, we're not going to you know we're not going to go with the ruling or. You know, from my perspective, and I will say from my opinion, I don't think the Supreme Court will go ahead and say, "Yep, Colorado's perfectly correct; you uh, can't appear on the ballot." So that—that's just the way I'm looking at it right now. If I were to ballpark it, yep, interesting. Jason Mollicle with us. Two other things. Uh, you know, sure. I, I said the worst mayor in the history uh, of New York, without question, was Bill De Blasio. But I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, Eric Adams is giving him a run for his money. Now, I give you credit. You threw something at me yesterday. I didn't, it went over my head, and I thank you for that. Uh, where Adams did an interview with the New Republic, uh, and he had an interesting opinion on what makes New York so great. And basically, it could be subject to a terrorist attack at any moment. This is what he said. Now, folks, you know, he was asked to sum up this year in one word. He said New York. Just make the case two words. I don't know. Is it two words? One. Jake, you want to check that for me? So he basically said, and I'm going to paraphrase here, Jason. Uh, and when I read this, I had to read it about five times. Okay. He basically stated that it's a place where every day you, you know, you kind of wake up. You can experience anything from a plane crashing into the trade center of a person who's celebrating, you know, some sort of a new business that's open. Uh, it's a complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the planet. Paraphrase a little bit. But to correlate that New York is great because, hey, we were the center of a terrorist attack like no other, 
on American soil in the history. Uh, you know, it's almost like what Sean McDermott said a couple of weeks ago. He's the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, and he's trying to get his team together, and he basically said, you know, think about this. Think about that terrorist attack on 9-11. Uh, think about how they all came together and had this plan, got together, and accomplished what they meant to accomplish. Uh, and how stupid was that? And luckily, McDermott has his job, although who knows at the end of the season. That's a whole nother story. Um, so it's almost on those same parameters as far as Eric Adams. I mean, maybe one of the dumbest things I have ever heard a politician say, Jason Mollica. Yeah, I, when I saw this, I, I was when I was doing my normal reading uh, on Monday and Tuesday, it, it just... It baffled me that the mayor of New York City, number one, like you, you, you joked that he had, you know, the, um, the host asked for, you know, one word and he said New York. And the last I checked, um, and you, know, <laughs> you can fact check me if you want, but New York's two words, but New and York. So that's the, that's the minor criticism. The major criticism is how the mayor of New York City, who was a, was a New York City police officer could equate the greatest thing about the city is that you could see a plane crashing into the towers or that a new business is opening. I, I, you know, and then later yesterday, he, in a press conference, or on Tuesday rather, yeah, I'm sorry, yesterday, no. he, he said, and I'll, I have the quote here, and I, I only bring it up because I want to make sure I have it right, is, the sentence police that sit in front of the TV and say, quote, let's wait to see Eric make one sentence that we can turn into one front, into a front page, unquote. It, I'll take this from two ways. Number one, as a PR professional, we tell, we're, we learn and we tell our students and we, we know this, that when you're the spokesperson, when you are the mayor or when you are a leader, you don't put word, you don't say something, you avoid saying something that's going to be front page news that will keep you there for the wrong reason. And number two, don't say something that you that you will automatically regret. Now, again, as the mayor of New York City, he, is, he should know the impact that those words have. I, again, I, I, was, I was absolutely baffled that that's exactly what he said. Then, instead of basically, instead of saying, you know what, I shouldn't have used the analogy, he did sort of you know, he didn't really apologize. He then said, "People yeah. know people who knew what I was. People knew what I was saying because he's from New York, and that's how New Yorkers speak. They're honest. Look, we're I have family in New York. I <laughs> I grew up going to New York. I mean, I know how we all know how New Yorkers talk. I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to hear a New Yorker joking about no. 11. I'm no, sorry. No. And it's just it's an out of touch. It's an I'm out of touch." It's a, it's a, just an excuse me, asinine thing to say as a mayor, as a leader, and as someone that has been on the ground in New York City. I, I'm sorry. I, I think that you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, Bill de Blasio. You know, I, my feelings are the same. I thought he was a, a, he was not a very good mayor. Um, but Eric Adams is not only giving him a run for his money, it's like the, uh, it's like the race that we see on the stadiums with the subway subway yeah. cars. They're running no. neck and neck right now. It's really it's it's sad. It really it's is. sad. It's it really is. Better. It's hard to believe our great city is being run like this. And this is a guy who's been in office, uh, folks, for about two years now. 
and he's in Biden and Kamala Harris territory as far as approval ratings are concerned. The lowest ever uh, approval rating for a New York mayor. Well, guess what? It's on his mantle right now, uh, the Mayor Adams. Uh, I know there was a poll released a couple of weeks ago by Quinnipiac found just 28% of respondents said they approved of his performance. I mean, listen, how could you have a decent performance the way you're handling the asylum seekers and everything else? My goodness. What an absolute disgrace. Uh, Just complete lunacy uh, as far as Eric Adams. Before we let you go, uh, you know, a lot of people think lunacy is part of Kathy Hochul's repertoire. Uh, with something uh, she did yesterday and that they are going to look into now reparations regarding the state and slavery and everything else. You know, when I heard this, I said to myself, really? She's going to take a hard look at all of this stuff. Really? Okay. Uh, Because we know it'll never fly, just like what California has certainly contemplated over the last year, a couple of years. Um, But in essence, she'll take a deep dive into this, but not into the bail problem, the criminal situation, the crime state, uh, with all that's going on and everything else, she won't take a deep dive into that to keep people safe, but she'll take a deep dive into the reparation. I, I mean, really. I mean, you talk about a piling on situation for Kathy Hochul and no end in sight here. Uh, to me, that was disgraceful. Well, I, and I think one of the things in this situation is that obviously – you know, they're they're going to consider. You know, they're going to create this commission that will consider reparations. And I think, obviously, there's been two other states that have done it, as you mentioned. California was one, Illinois is another. Um, you know, and, and she was saying yesterday it would be more than just a simple apology. And I, you know, look, I I'm all for committees in a lot of ways to look at you know what could be done to help to you know rectify wrongs. Um, this was obviously slavery being an ultimate wrong. Um, I, one of the things that I think is is important to to note about the governor is that you know clearly she's trying to do something that will, in many ways, you know, show that she is you know she cares about you know what happened in the past. She wants to make a you know make a statement in a lot of ways, and and frankly, I. I think committees in this sense, and this has nothing to do with, in many ways, trying to, you know, criticize the fact that she's doing something about, you know, trying to, you know, basically apologize for slavery, which is, was wrong. I think in a lot of ways, it, it, Kathy Hochul is trying to do one of two things. One, she's trying to make sure that, you know, she is shown as in touch with what people want. Number two, it's you know, and I, I apologize to trying to say it this way. It's like I it's a it is a it is a way politically to basically say we are trying to show you that you know we care about the state. When yes, there are things that are going on in New York State right now that could use a lot more attention. Again, she's appointing this committee. I'm interested to see how you know how long it will take. This committee to potentially come up with you know with what they feel if I if I read correctly they're going to be you know taking uh, members there will be members from the um, the speaker the New York Assembly speaker will have three selections and then three from the temporary president of the New York Senate so once that happens I then it's up to the committee to see what they rule I you're right there are things in New York State that should be done that should have 
you know, should kind of be taking precedent right now. Um, I'm interested to see, I think, ultimately what the committee comes up with and if they feel that reparations are owed in many ways in the form of monetary funds or is it some other some other way to uh, to help people and, you know, that were affected by slavery in New York State. But, well, I, you know, again, it's a very slippery, I think it's a very slippery slope when you can create these committees because people are going to expect results and if they don't like the results, that's an even bigger issue. Uh, listen, uh, we 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 get it. We know the history. We have to embrace the history. Obviously, we have to learn and live and never forget. Just like many other groups who have been harmed uh, in the history, as far as this country is concerned, we cannot have reparations for all. We're, we're already bankrupt practically as a nation. My goodness, uh, with a deficit. New York, especially underwater, uh, especially with a. Uh, a twelve billion dollar price tag attached as far as the asylum seeking situation if it is not repaired that's what the bill will be I mean it just goes on and on and on you know California was what five hundred plus billion dollars in reparations two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a piece I mean you know to me it's just a pipe dream and that you're trying to uh, obviously get in with a crowd from a political standpoint to show them. Uh, that you are on the job, even though to me, it's nothing more than a uh, a fantasy, as far as uh, coming to uh, fruition. And quite frankly, uh, New York uh, has not done a good job keeping its people, as far as the latest census census is showing over the last year, July to July. Jason, that a hundred thousand, hundred one thousand or so, has left the state. They don't like the way it's being run. Kathy Hochul needs to do a better job. That is the bottom line. Uh, tremendous job on your end, sir, uh, answering the call. You always do. And uh, we appreciate a couple of minutes. Jason, of course, great PR work at American U. Um, great holiday season coming up upon yourself. How's that? Yeah, you too. Thank you, Jay, and thanks, as always, for having me on. And uh, you know, happy holidays, and uh, here's, to a, here's to a better 2024 for uh, everyone listening. 